Welcome into Bucks Insider Live. Uh, Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith, who's being a very nice, considerate coworker. He's feeling a little under the weather, so he's protecting me and our producers in here so we do not take crud to our families for Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, Scott, thank you for that. At least I Great move, very selfless over here. Um, all right, so now we did not have a show, or we did have a show last week. We talked a little bit about the game in Germany, but now it's a, it's a bit of that bye week time where we can reassess some things, look at the big picture, and then, of course, look ahead to the Browns game as well. But um, first, we, we did have a bit of news, which is not always something that happens during the, the bye week time. Uh, but tell us about Giovanni Bernard and, and what his update with his injury situation. Yeah, Gio has been on injury reserve since week two, uh, but he has been designated for return from injury reserve, which means he cannot start practicing. And he did on, on Monday when we had the bonus practice, and he probably will again uh, today and the rest of the week. And the Bucks now have a 21-day window in which he can practice with the team without counting against the 53-man roster. And then at some point during that window, you can activate them, which then would require another roster move to open up a spot. Uh, last time we did this, it was with Josh Wells, and he was designated for return and then activated later the same week. So I would think we're going to see Geo back in action sooner rather than later. Yeah, that would make sense. You don't want to do the 21-day window if you're worried you, you won't quite make it in that yeah, window. Because, yeah, if you don't activate them by the end of the 21, then they're done for the year. Right, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. That'll be interesting. What do you see about when and if he becomes available, what that does to this running back room and you know what, what you think you're going to see? Because, I mean, that's, it seems like recently they've had a really great tandem going on and even getting yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn <laughs> some snaps. So what does the addition of Geo yeah. mean for that group? Well, you mentioned Keyshawn getting some snaps, but when you look at it, it's really like two in this game, four mm -hmm. in this game. So... There hasn't been a whole lot of work for a third running back, and now you're talking about a fourth one. Right. Um, he would probably have to make some impact on special teams. He could even possibly mix in on kickoff return or punt return because he's done both of those things in the past to be active on game day. So it's a little hard to figure out exactly how he would fit into the offense at this moment. Although, on the other hand, you do have Leonard Fournette's hip pointer to worry about. So mm. he's... You know, hip pointers usually take anywhere between one and three weeks to come back from. It's not like a muscle strain or anything. So hopefully he'll be back soon. But if for some reason Leonard will miss some time, then it obviously would be, would be great to suddenly get back a third running back. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, well, like we said, we were going to do a little bit of big picture stuff coming off of the bye week. And one of those is the NFC playoff picture, which thankfully uh, the Bucks are in as of right now. <laughs> you know, five and five may yeah. not be the record that they had anticipated or wanted for this point in the year. But thanks to an NFC South that has having some struggles. Uh, so take us through this playoff picture and what you think it means, especially for the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't know about you, but this bye week on Sunday, I sat down and watched a lot of football because hmm. I don't really get to do that on Sundays very often. And it's probably pretty game. funny for people to hear that we don't feel like we get to watch <laughs> a lot of football. We see our game and yeah. we're working afterwards. We watch highlights later, but uh, Philadelphia had a scare, close call against Indy, but they're still obviously the class of the NFC right now. Minnesota got absolutely demolished by Dallas, which will make people wonder how real they are as contenders, but they're 8-2 and two, you can't argue with that. Mm -hmm. And then San Fran was the big winner of the week other than Dallas because they won while Seattle was off, tied them and have the head-to-head -head tiebreaker. So now San Fran replaces Seattle as the leader in the West, but the Bucks are only one game behind that. So you can see in addition to trying to hold off Atlanta with, which thanks for nothing Chicago, was an exciting <laughs> game, but they didn't win. Yeah. So Atlanta wins, they're, only, they're not on this picture, but they're only a half game behind the Buccaneers. And, uh, you know, with that half game difference until Atlanta has their bye in a couple weeks, it's always going to be, depending upon the outcomes, either team could end up in first place by right. a half game. So uh, the Buckners will be playing Cleveland, Atlanta's going to play Washington, and, you know, the Buckners could be anywhere from 1.5 games up to 0.5 down by the end of the uh by the end of the weekend. But yeah. then you got a pretty strong wild card group there with Dallas, mm -hmm. Giants lost, uh, Seattle. That's Those are pretty good teams all with records better than the Bucks. So 
as far as making the playoffs down the stretch in these next seven weeks, the Bucks really need to focus on obviously winning their division. Yeah, and then you see the Cowboys and the Giants are going to be facing mm-hmm. each other on Thursday, so yeah. one of them is at least going to have one more loss, which yep. is going to be interesting to see. Um, all right, so you know, I know we talked about in that Germany game, one of the things we were really excited about was the idea of the explosive plays. Yeah, we yeah. talked about the extended drives, yeah. but it was also the idea that some of those had some pretty big um, gains yeah. and big plays when that had not been something we'd yes. seen, even though I know this team knew this offense was capable of it. So what did you see about well, what was different for those plays and, and what that could mean moving forward? Well, there were two things. One, Rashad White brought sort of an explosive element to the running game. He had the two longest runs of the year for the Buccaneers, and generally with at least a decent running game, you expect at some point during the game to get one or two what we call explosive runs or 10 yards or more, and explosive completions are 20 yards or more. And when you're missing that in your offense and you're trying to run the ball, it just really makes it hard to construct a real long drive. Most long drives have at least, you said it, Mm -hmm. have at least one big play in there somewhere. It's not just six yards down the field all the way. And then the other half of it is the offensive line had a fantastic game. Tom Brady had tons of time to throw and look downfield, and he got, uh, there's Scotty with the... Uh, the acrobatic catch. <laughs> well, I guess so. Um, oh, is this going to be the stiff arm play? Because we have to stop in the morning. Yeah, we, mo- we all must stop. Yes. Oh, we all. I don't care how many times we watch that. We have to continue to watch it and, so, and just take so, a moment of silence yeah. to appreciate. <laughs> to mourn the loss of Quadre Quadre defender, yeah. Um, and then in, in the passing game, there was lots of times for Tom Brady to throw, and he averaged 2.78 seconds from the snap to the throw, which is by far the highest average he's had all year. He's been getting the bit rid of the ball really quickly, which makes it hard to let those downfield plays develop. So mm-hmm. if you look at this, I mean, very nice start in a many ways in the week yeah. one win over Dallas, and ten, including 10 explosive plays. But after that, four, two, one, yeah. went back to nine. That's big. That's big. You know, when I'm looking at that, the thing that jumps out to me is I feel like Dallas and Seattle were the two games that you had almost all, if not all, of your weapons. Yeah, Julio Jones. Julio Jones is a big part of both of those games yeah. having explosive plays, and it just, to me, says it's it's not so much that what this team is doing is right or wrong. It's just who you have available and out there and to to have more of your weapons um, available. And so that's a a great sign of now even coming off the bye week, hoping that that's the case moving forward is that you just have the guys out there to to run the playbook to get those explosive plays going. Yeah. And then finally, speaking of the health idea, I think that we've seen a huge factor in this defense is the return of Akeem Hicks. And we knew coming into the season, I mean, I, I think back to training camp and we talked about how we thought he was getting more praise than potentially any other individual player on this team during training camp yeah, and really I think was. now that we saw the team without him and with him yeah. that it seems like that was accurate. Yeah and obviously health is an issue and he had some issues with that in the previous years but the Buccaneers felt when they signed them that if he's on the field he really is a difference maker. He's doing exactly what the Bucks expected when they put him next to Vita Vea. When he's on the field and Vita is too that's really just really hard to run against because both those guys as Will Goldston was saying both those guys are guys that the opposing team thinks they need to get four hands on in order to keep them at bay. And so they're eating up. Like, I don't think Akeem Hicks had a single stat in the Seattle game. Mm. But he clearly is making a difference because in the three game full games that he's played, the Buccaneers have allowed 59 rushing yards, 59.3 rushing yards per game. And the six full games that he didn't play, they allowed 148. That's a Jeez, pretty big difference. That is a large difference. I didn't include the New Orleans game, which he played about half of before getting hurt. But yards per carry... 
way better. No rushing touchdowns for five. And look at those 10 plus yard runs. That's one per game with him in there and about four per game with him out. And it even reminds you of how incredible it is that Villa has as many sacks as he has when most of that was without Akeem Hicks, yeah. which means he was getting all of the attention. So now I'm really excited to see with Akeem back more regularly what that can mean for well, Vita. It's a good point. And in the, in the win against the Rams, the coach said afterward, Coach Bowles said afterwards that with Akeem back, that allowed them to do some things, and they specifically schemed up some I some ideas to get Vita free. Mm. So that did make an impact, absolutely, in the Rams game. All right, and then we'll close with this now, kind of being in this bye week time, it's a good time to kind of assess, reassess the team. So what do you feel like are the biggest goals moving forward for this team, and then maybe even just starting with the Cleveland Browns to see where they're at at this point in the season? Well, I really like what Will Golston said on Monday. He said, he was asked about what they do during the bye, and he says, well, you know, you have some time to assess you get away from football a little bit, but you also look at how you prepared and how you played that game against Seattle. Because, you know, other than a, sort of a little bit of a lapse at the end of the game, it was a dominant game in every phase, right, for the Buccaneers. So Will's like, we have to look at how we prepared for that game and the way in which we played, and we have to use that as a model for the next seven weeks. So the bye came at a good time, not necessarily because of injury, because we weren't too beat up, but a good time for the Bucks, building some momentum and looking at it, they had if they had to look back at one game, it was nice that it was this one where they could learn this is how it looks. Right. You know, this Bucks team in 2022 was not going to look the same as it did in 2020 and 2021. It just wasn't, and it clearly hasn't, and that's led to some struggles. But there's a lot of talent on this team, and they have to figure out the manner, the way in which they win, mm -hmm. and I think they feel like they have found a blueprint and that they can duplicate that going forward. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it is great to see where if this momentum can continue carrying well, forward because this last game felt yeah. like the most complete game they've played. Like I would say, there's a lot of things that the Buccaneers already do well. They're not hurting themselves in the passing game at all. They, they're first in the league in fewest sacks allowed per pass play and first in fewest interceptions per play, per pass. So they're not hurting themselves. You know they can make explosive plays with Evans and Godwin and Jones and, and so on. Now, if you add in, hey, now we can run the ball. And if you add in, hey, now we have time to throw and get explosive plays. And then on defense, we know we got a lot of talent there. But if you add in, now we're stopping the run. If you can do all those things, that just accentuates the strengths that you already have. Right. And so you could see a team that is a little closer to the dominant forum of the last couple of years. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Bucks Insider Live. Thank you so much for being with us. And we'll be back here next week to talk about that Cleveland Browns game. Thank <laughs> you.